0: Before before we get started, i got a, a little video I'd like for you to take a look at.
1: Lord, can you hear me? I'm here, fighting, pressing to remember what you said. But this onslaught of thoughts fills my head with dread, and I need you. Like enemies encamped, shrouded in the dark, I can feel the fascination of too many temptations reaching for my heart. So I need you to hear me. For I know your ears are attentive to the righteous, and I know that your ways are certain even when my worries would trample me to dust still i know you are good your hand is just so come now be the salvation for my sins help me to begin again that you would mend this trend of hopelessness god deliver me in my brokenness i can feel your presence Even now in the ugly, in the mess that has been made, you surround me with your benevolence. Yes, your love is on display, and I can see it. Carving roads through the struggles and the troubles, past temptations and devices that seek to choke me out. So come fear, come failure, come opposition or doubt. Jesus, you are my deliverance. Your grace is sufficient. Trusting you is my only way. Now I turn my mind to dwell on your truth. Curate the condition of my heart to manifest joy. Be my living proof. Subdue the haters. Quell the voices inside. Transform me, Lord. Extinguish my pride. You've won the battle. I trust in your plans. Yes, God. I surrender all my worries, my woes and my demands into your eternally capable hands.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, today I want to bring a message that I've entitled Live a Life That Matters. I like here's here's the really important part. He's won the battle. I don't know about you, in that video, I've experienced many of those things that he was talking about, and at the end of the day, Jesus, as as that video said, is the proof, and he's won the battle for you and for me. So I I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. Maybe you're on the mountaintop right now, and praise Jesus for you, and I'm glad that you're in that moment, but there may be some people that are in the room today that you might be in the valley today. I don't know about you, but I've been in the valley before and the valley is not really pretty. But I want to encourage you today to understand that Jesus has won the battle and you're not going to stay in the valley for very much longer. Because with him, we have victory and with him, the battle has always already been won. The battle um, is not up to you. The victory is not up to you. The victory has already been won, the Bible says. And so today, I'm hoping that I can be an encouragement to somebody in the room to live a life that matters because he's won the battle we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 so if you have your Bible go ahead and open that I want to say hello to everyone that's online I love my online crew at my church I love you too so we're glad that you are here with us today online church Let's read this together. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing, listen to this, this is really important in the day and time that we live in right now, changing the way that you think. Another version calls it renewing your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Everybody wants to know God's will, right? Which is good, I'll tell you, God's will is this. It is good and pleasing and perfect. Verse number three says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Let's go ahead and pray together. God, your word's amazing. It's awesome. And you speak to us through it that your word is alive. And so, Holy Spirit, what I'm asking right now, Jesus, that you would come and you begin to work in this room. Work in our hearts, work in our minds, Jesus. And for myself, Holy Spirit, that you would come upon me in this moment. That I would speak your words, they're not my words. That someone would leave this room today and they would be encouraged. That someone would leave this room today knowing you for the very first time. We ask that you'll bless this time together, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So recently, a group of friends of mine had this bright idea that we together would go hike the Grand Canyon. And if you've ever done that before, anybody in the room ever done that before, you will understand and know immediately that's no easy task. And so me and a couple of my buddies, um, we went and we tra- we trained for about one month. And uh, we were doing some kind of shorter hikes, and, and uh, finally we did one long hike not really realizing for myself how big of a tax that is. And then in our minds, we're like, yeah, we're going to try to get record time. We're going to do this in one day, no big deal. We got this. We're all in shape. You know how you get really confident about things that you've never done before. And so the night before, we got a van, and we drove four hours to the other side of the Grand Canyon. We woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and got everything prepped and ready, all of us half asleep. And uh, we decided, you know what, we're going to add two more miles to the hike because we're going to hike from our cabin down to the Grand Canyon Trail and then go down the Grand Canyon. So we added two more miles to the hike in all of our confidence and amazement. Um, And so, you know, the first seven miles wasn't that bad. I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you're going downhill. This is like, I'm like, let's jog. We got this. No biggie. So we're feeling really confident. We get all the way down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And uh, now you're on the flatlands, and you're going through all this different types of turf and things like that. You know, my legs is, you know, starting to feel it a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm good. We're, we're fine. This is it's not too bad. Um, we go quite a few miles across flatland, and we get to the last kind of like watering hole. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, you know where that's at. And we all just filled up with water, and we ate some snacks and did all the things. And, man, after having all of those snacks, we felt really good and, and really energetic I'm like man we're ready for this and uh, the sign said it was like four and a half miles so we got, we got to the to the sign and, and we went oh <laughs> four and a half miles up there to the... <laughs> how many we just did like 20 something miles <laughs> well okay we got this we, you know we we went this far we only got four and a half miles left. And the battle that I experienced on that last four and a half miles was unbelievable. My legs have never done things like they did on that trail. I've never had my legs shake like they did before. The battle in my mind was, am I going to finish this or not? Would that young buck over there just let me jump on his back and he'd just carry me the rest of the way? I'll leave my backpack aside. I don't even care. I just need to get to the top. Oh my goodness. Some of my buddies they were a little bit, a little better shape than I was. And uh, so they're up ahead of me. And if you've ever done trail running or hiking, it's called chasing the rabbit. And so I wanted to chase the rabbit up the trail. I couldn't do it. It was so tough. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. The point is the battle was really, really a struggle, not only within my body, but within my mind. But you know what? We finally got through it. And I truly believe if we had not trained for that, if we hadn't been prepared, that I probably would not have finished that. And they would have had to helicopter me out of that thing. But it was something that that was fun. But it was a battle during it. And I was prepared and ready for that battle. And that's the only reason I was able to do that. In our lives, you know, the Bible says that we can't be prepared whenever we're going to go through these battles in our lives. And there's a couple ways that we can do that. And I want to focus on this thought of living that life that matters in this battle. And principle number one, if you're taking notes today, is this. Principle number one, live with passion. And and here's what I mean about that. I don't mean that you have to go hike the Grand Canyon like I did or bungee jump off the side of a cliff. That's not really what I'm talking about. But God wants to see us have an abundant life, a life that's lived to the fullest. And the only way that we can do that is through Jesus. I really believe that he wants us to have lives that are successful in him. And when I'm talking about success, I'm not talking about riches, whether you really drive a nice car or have a beautiful house or your retirement plan is this big. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a life of passion where Jesus is at the center, where Jesus is number one in your life. Because all of those things that I talked about before can be good and amazing, but they are not going to fill that void that you have in your heart like Jesus will. And the only way to live a life of passion is to have Jesus at the center. And when I say a full life, I'm talking about a Jesus full life. Everybody in the room, would you say that with me? A Jesus full life. If you don't remember anything else that I say in the room today, I want you to think about that statement, a Jesus full life. Because there is nothing in this world, no matter how, how cool it may be or nice it may be, that will fill that void like Jesus will. When you realize, as a believer, the impact of salvation and what it really is, you can embrace a life, this life, with a different perspective. And you can live that with passion. I want to ask everybody in the room today, and obviously you don't have to say anything back to me or raise your hand, but what is it that God has placed within your heart and your mind that you're passionate about? And are you living that out? And let me say it this way so it makes a little more sense. What is the gifts, talents, and abilities that the Holy Spirit has given to you? And are you living that out within the walls of this church? You see, because when you begin to live out your passion that God has given you, he's equipped you with. And some of you guys may be like, I, I know what it is, but I don't want to do it because I'm really, really scared. But uh, the, the Bible says that he'll also enable you if he's equipped you. And what our church in America needs today are believers that are passionate about Jesus and the gifts, the talents, and abilities that he's given us to go reach A lost world. Have you looked around lately and seen the way the world is rolling right now? What the world needs is us to be equipped and passionate about what God has given us and enabled us to do to make a difference in our communities. It's a life of passion. John 10.10 says this, just as a reminder, the thief's purpose is to steal kill and destroy and that's what the enemy wants to do right now in our churches kill us steal from us destroy us ruin our life but what what does the latter part of that verse say my purpose my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying a life of passion. Here's principle number two. Within that passion, within that gift that God has given you, enabled you to do that, principle number two, we live with humility. When you begin to serve and use your gifts automatically, instinctively, you're beginning to serve with humility. Philippians 2, 3 through 8 says this, don't be selfish and don't. Try to impress others. You know we live in a self-centered world right now? You guys with me right now? Don't be selfish. (laughs) Pretty, Pretty plain. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. In other words, don't think of yourself as the greatest. Think of someone else as the greatest, but that's a whole different thing. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. We want to be more like Jesus, right? Though he was God, he did not think of it of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and a servant and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, when Jesus came, God in a body, I love saying that, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. From Jesus' birth to his death, he was a picture of humility. He, died, he, he came, and he was in a manger. It was a humble thing. He could have stayed in an amazing Marriott, and it would have been great, and he would have been born there, and everybody would have been like, "Whoa, he's really something. No, but he, he decided to be in a manger. So then he did his life of ministry, and then he died on a cross, which was one of the worst deaths that you could possibly be a part of, which was also humbling. So from his birth into his death, he modeled humility for you and for me. And if we're saying that we want to be more like Jesus' church, then we need to be more like that as well. Jesus humbles himself. Let me say it. We want to be more like him. Jesus put others' interests before his own. We want to be more like him. Jesus was a leader who served. We want to be more like him. What did Jesus do? Immediately, he grabs the 12 disciples from all these different areas that they were working in, and everybody's like, you got those guys? Okay, but he's like, you guys are going to be my team, and we're going to do this thing together, but in, in that same way, even though I'm the leader, I'm going to serve. And if we begin to serve each other, humility will instinctively happen. So we live with passion. And in that passion, those gifts and abilities that God's given us, we do it with humility. And here's the third thing. Now we live with purpose. Here's this thing that I hear and I I have the opportunity to talk with young adults and different things in my church and one of the biggest conversations, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with my life and I talk about what's my purpose and all this and then I talk to adults and it's the same conversation. I'm not sure what my purpose is in life and what is the purpose of the church and then I see churches, they have these really cool uh, statements and this is our vision and this is our purpose. All of that, okay. I think that, Jesus summed it up for us in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go and make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Church, that, that's our purpose. Why do we serve? For this. That's the purpose. Why are we humble and serve others? For this but this is the purpose. It's to live with purpose, and that purpose is the gospel, that we can't get distracted, that our churches can't get distracted from this. This is what it's all about. It's the gospel. It's the good news of great joy to all people, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world so everyone could experience him and have their life completely turned upside down, that no matter who you are, what you've done, or what's been done to you, God loves you, the real you not the you that everybody else tells you you should be not the you that you tell you you should be but the real you that God has made you to be he knows who the real is right that's what the good news is he wants that for the world 2 Corinthians 5:17 this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person come on somebody say new, new. say new We're not like everybody else. We're not living like dead people. We're alive in Christ. We are new church. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So Jesus gave his life for you, and if you have accepted him, he owns you now. Back to Romans chapter 12, 1 to 3. He says, now we're a living sacrifice. We present our bodies a living sacrifice to him. Holy, acceptable under God, which is our reasonable service. We can't live like a dead person. We're now alive in Jesus. The old life is gone. It's dead. Your new life has begun. It's a life of meaning and purpose. I sit across in my office with people that tell me, Pastor James, that Jesus can't love me. You don't have any idea what I've done yesterday. You have no idea what I did this weekend. You don't know what happened to me like 10 years ago. God, he can't love me. And my answer to them is he already does love you. And the world needs to hear this right now more than ever. Ever that we can't get caught up in these things to the left and these things to the right, and I'm not going to go into detail. Figure out, <laughs> what I'm talking about. But we have to be focused on the gospel because the thread of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation is the gospel and redemption. And that is the good news that we have to tell the world. It is our purpose. Now, in a room like this, I don't know if everyone in here knows Jesus. I don't know everybody in this room, and so I wouldn't ever want to leave this room without you being able to hear what the good news is. Because we we can say good news and be like, what are you talking about, man? So Let, let me share with you what the good news is. The Bible says that it's a, Simple plan. We like to say that as Christians and make it sound as simple as possible. It's a simple plan of salvation. The first thing that you must realize in the room if you don't know Jesus is that, that God loves you. I, I just said it. God loves you. He loves the real you. Not the you that everybody tells you to be or that you tell yourself to be. He loves you right where you're at. John 3.16 is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. You could probably quote it if you've been in church for any amount of time, that God loves the world. He loves you. The world includes you, by the way. That's not a general statement. The world is personal to you. God loves you. For God so loved the world, you, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Good news right there. He loves you. Realize that. Realize we're all sinners. If we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, I will tell you that I'm a sinner and that I have a sin nature that I was born with and the only one that can save me from that is Jesus. The Bible says in Romans that all have sinned and they fall short of the glory of God. Because what that means is God is this Perfection. He is perfect, and we're never going to make that mark of perfection. But through him, he can see perfection on us through his perfect blood. So when he looks down on you, he can see perfection. Whoa. That's crazy, because he sees himself. He sees his blood. He loves us that much that he would offer that to us. We realize that we're sinners all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and then, but, and then next part of that verse says, "We need to understand that there's a penalty for sin." In Romans six twenty three says, "The wages of sin is death." You say, man, thanks for delivering bad news to me today. I appreciate that that you drove all the way from Queen Creek to tell me that. The wages of sin is death. That's complete, utter separation from God. It's horrible. It's terrible. I don't want that for you. But the next part of Romans 6.23 says, but the gift, I like gifts. They're free, especially when they're free, right? If it's free, it's for me. I say this all the time. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow. It's a gift. It's free. You say, well, man, all of that sounds great, and thank you for, for telling me that, but what do I do now? Well, Romans ten nine says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, here you go, I like this part, you will be saved. He didn't say maybe, he'll think about it, he might, he said, you will be saved if you openly declare it from your mouth. And so my question to you, if you're walking around, you're like, all that purpose stuff and all that passion stuff and humility, it sounds good, doesn't really relate to me. Um, What I would say to you today is because maybe this is your day to experience new life. New life in Jesus. I'm going to ask you just very simply, would you say yes to him today? Would you give your life to this amazing Jesus that those of us that have said yes to him we have the amazing opportunity to serve and to have a personal relationship with? What I love about that statement, it's a personal relationship. When we think about salvation at times, we think like it's this general statement, right, that he loves us all. No, he loves you. You individually, every single person, if I point at you, he loves you. All of you. I can't do all of you, but he loves all of you. Will you give your lives to God? Here in a moment I'm gonna pray, but I want to speak to you again, believers, real quick. It's how is that living with passion? How is that thing called humility in your life going? And are you living out the purpose that God has given every believer that's ever walked this planet? If you'd like to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to pray here in a moment. And I would love for you to follow along with me. Church, you can pray with them as well because we want to support those that are going to say yes to Jesus in this moment. So you can pray out loud if you want. And you can pray to yourself. Let's pray together. Jesus, you're good. You can repeat this after me. Jesus, you're good. Thank you for dying for my sins. I turn away from those sins. I will follow you for the rest of my life. I will make you the Lord of my life. I accept you today. I declare you today. I'm saying yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you real quick, is there anybody in the room that just said yes to Jesus right now? If you did, would you just raise your hand so we can celebrate you? All right, we have a lady over here. that Let's celebrate her in Jesus' name right now. That's amazing. We're so glad that you did that. That's the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life.